the Welcome Dads podcast, the podcast where three dads with kids age 4 to 26 share their experiences being dads. This week, the dads interview Christy Berklin from United Way of Whatcom County about the Dolly Parton Imagination Library Program that provides free books by mail for young local children. The dads also discuss the recent triathlon they completed and spend some time talking about the importance of reading to your kids. Thanks for joining us. It's time for us to share with the people what's been going on. What has been going on? I'm sore. From? Swimming, running, biking, mostly running. (laughs) Sounds like you did a triathlon. I did a triathlon. So for those of you who may not have listened to our episode in January, uh, we did a little segment about New Year's resolutions, and my New Year's resolution was to enter and compete in the Lake Padden Triathlon, which I had not done in 14 years, and then to beat my time. Now, a month or so after making that public proclamation here on this fine broadcast, I roped (laughs) the two of you into doing it with me. And uh, you said yes. And fast forward now, five months go by, and all three of us did complete a short course, let's be clear, short course triathlon. I, I don't think you need to clarify that. I think you just say triathlon. Yeah, we did, we did do three events. In one day. In one day. Right after one another. Absolutely. I don't think you need to, you know, I don't think you need to clarify it. Well, but I didn't want like sponsors to start contacting the yeah. show thinking we were doing <laughs> Ironman triathlons here. Good point. I mean, it was not easy, but it was not as long as some of these. It's it's advertised as a very good beginner triathlon. Yes, and it was. It was the third time for me, but the first time for both of you. So what do you think of the beginner Padden triathlon? Well, for me, it was the beginning and the end of the triathlon uh, <laughs> career of Mark Bagley. So it was fine. Glad I did it. I don't think he's serious. No, I don't either. We're gonna we're gonna make him do it again. Yeah. I, I I don't think you are. You got to do it again. No. What was so bad about it that you would never do no, it? No, no, it wasn't bad. I just know my. It was great. I got in shape. I lost all my COVID weight, which was fantastic. I started running again. All that was good. I just know myself, and I would push myself to beat my time. And if I didn't, I'd be disappointed. Well, then I don't want, make I don't want sure to my, you beat your time. I don't want to set myself up for failure. Well, what did I do the last six months? I tried harder because I had made this thing that I was going to do better. And right. so it made me train harder. But what are you and what am I not? You're a New Year's resolution goal setter. I am not. Not my jam. That's yeah, it, it was fun. I mean, looking back, it was fun. Someone said it was, uh, what do they call it, type two enjoy- enjoyment, where you hate it when it's happening, but when it's done, you, had, you, you look back good. and say, that was really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now that you've done it, you know what to expect. So you kind of know what sort of fun next, you can have during Next it. year, I will know what to expect watching the two of you and <laughs> how you're doing. So one word, yes or no, are you glad you did it? Yes. Absolutely. Uh, one word, yes or no, did you have fun? Yes. Absolutely. Number, how many times did you consider backing out? A number? 50. Zero. <clears throat> I, I knew I wanted to do it. And the unfortunate thing is, of course, is I had to back out. I had a conflict and so that I couldn't miss. And so I ended up racing on Sunday instead of Saturday. And I had the better end of the deal here because the swim was so pleasant for me. <laughs> 
because I didn't get worry about getting kicked in the face. I didn't have splashing water. I didn't have that adrenaline rush of going past people. I was enjoying a nice eight o'clock in the morning. The lake was glass. It was like it was borderline spiritual for me out there. It was very nice. Yeah, let's paint the picture. So Mark and I did it on Saturday as part of the race, and as Chris mentioned, he did have a conflict he couldn't avoid. So the very next morning, we all reported back to the scene of the triathlon, <laughs> and Chris held his own private triathlon with our support and the support of his family. And so it was a little different scene, uh, not as many uh, people cheering, uh, not as many people up, frankly, that time in the morning on a Sunday. But you did get it, and I did time your splits and everything, so you got the good information just like we did. And uh, maybe we just do it on our own. We just continue to hold our own private triathlons. <laughs> we could do that. That'd we be could, fun. We could do that. I, I, I would do that. Um, so when you were in the midst of the race, which for our group took anywhere from, I think, a, an hour 17 to an hour 28 something in there hour 16 maybe uh at what mile mark or what minute into the race did you hit your wall have the hardest have to come up with the most strength or feel like you were just not going to be able to continue 90 seconds in (laughs) and tell us why Uh, the swim i I wasn't ready for it Uh, the the water was so cold and when i went in I lost my breath immediately because of the coldness, and I never got it back. And I honestly thought, I'm stopping. I'm going to go to this little paddleboard where the lifeguard is and just hang on and tell her that I'm, I can't do this. It was, I, I'm, I'm dead serious. Because hmm. you got out of the water looking so strong. Oh, it was a terrible swim. But he had a, it was a relief, I think, to get out. It was, yeah, I was so happy. <laughs> the bike and the run were, I mean, the run was challenging. The bike I thought was pretty, was the easiest for me. The run was a challenge, but that swim was awful. Yeah, the look on your face, we swam close to each other, which I think was helpful to both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, the look on your face, I could tell something wasn't going well. Yeah. Now, when you got to the buoy, was that a good thing? Or was that like, oh my gosh, I've still got half of this to go? Because you go out around a buoy and then back. It was a huge relief to make it to the buoy. Because I knew if I, I, I could... No return at that point. I was, I was heading in the right direction. <clears throat> yeah. But honestly, 90 seconds in... I thought I was going to quit. Wow. Well, and you explaining that to me helped me because you said, get in the water, get used to it, which Mm -hmm. I did. And the water for me actually wasn't as cold as I thought it was going to be. And um, at the same time, though, it did take my breath away a little bit. And so because you told me that, Mm -hmm. it forced me to be very mindful about my breathing when I was swimming. And that helped me a ton. Sure. I felt fine in the swim, but I was in a different sort of scenario. Um, the bike, I felt great. I was tired going up that first long hill right after we got out of the water. Um, but really, it was it was the climb after the Arco station. There was a point where I thought, I got to get off and walk my bike. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was absolutely exhausted. So that was the first one. And then the second one was when I got off my bike ride and tried started, I started running. I had nothing left. Running around that lake is really hard after, after racing. That, that was it for me. 90 seconds into the run. I was like, I don't know how I do this. Huh. I mean, I did walk and run and jog. And, and eventually, after about a mile or so of the run, we'll call it a jog, <laughs> we'll call it a walk, I got my legs under me and started going. And then it becomes a little bit of that mind over your body thing. And I was like, all right, I have to run until this next spot. Yeah. And then 
you you know, but if I do this, then I can walk a little. And you kind of start making deals in your head, like, <laughs> well, I can run until I get to this, and then I'll walk a little. And, and there was another competitor who was kind of encouraging me, and her and I kept kind of leapfrogging each other. And that actually helped me quite a bit, so much so that I mentioned it to her after the, after the end of the race. But I felt okay on the swim. I lost three minutes worth of time. I was three minutes slower in the swim hmm. than what I did 14 years ago, hmm. which is a little bit surprising, but I was just really boxed in. I couldn't get started at yeah. the beginning. I couldn't get a good rhythm going. There were people. Um, and so I think it, I just kind of wasted a lot of energy waiting to get some open water. I mean, for me, it made me really appreciate these iron men competitors, oh. male and female, who train for a two-mile swim, a 112-mile bike, and then a marathon. And that's, that's a full-time job, just training. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's, I think it's like we did one-tenth of what they do, roughly, Yeah, give or take. Right. Yeah. So uh, it's, those are crazy. The, it's, a, it's a whole different breed of people. Yeah. And seeing some of these people coming out of the lake so fast. I mean, the people who won this, you know, the race, mm-hmm. their times were – Yeah. Filthy. I mean, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Really impressive to see yep. how many local athletes we've got that are just so fast. Well, uh, applause to Bellingham Parks and Rec. I think they run the event very well. It's reasonably priced, and they do a good job setting it up. And so um, that was my experience 14, 15 years ago, and it's my experience again this year. So for any listeners out there who are interested in tackling their first triathlon, this is a good one to try. You've got 11 and a half months to train. Uh, <laughs> and it's super low pressure. Super low Super pressure. low pressure. I mean, super welcoming. If you've never done a triathlon before, this is certainly one that you won't feel like you're out of place being the first time. Right. First timer. Yeah, there were a lot of beginners, a lot of people who hadn't trained a ton yeah. just out there trying to complete it. And yeah. um, that was my attitude the first times I did it. And now I've, I don't know what if I would try and make any proclamations or goals next time. But <laughs> happy but I did it. But you're saying there could be a next time. I think there's a next time. Good. I've had many people say, hey, I could do that next year. So hopefully I've, I've inspired some people and. Uh, I think that now knowing I can do it at this age, you know, being able to reframe the training and be able to tackle that. I think in January I was scared, like, oh my gosh, I, what is it really going to take to do this? And thank you to both of you, because I think if I had set out solo to do it, A, there would have been less incentive to stick it out. And B, I don't think I would have had the motivation to train some of those Saturday mornings and, or like to go to the gym at 10 o'clock and send you guys a picture of me on the treadmill with a (laughs) caption that says like, I freaking hate this. (laughs) That was, that was part of the fun for me. But thank you, Nathan. That was, it was a good experience. Yeah. Thanks so much for encouraging us. Your life can change in an instant. Car accidents impact all aspects of your life and lead to pain and suffering, medical bills, and time missed from work. Robinson & Cole, attorneys in Bellingham, can help. They have represented thousands of clients since 1979. They also handle other types of injury claims, including workers' compensation. Consultations are always free and are available in Spanish. Robinson & Cole, when you need us, we will be here. All right, listeners, well, we are in for a real treat today. We have with us Christy Berkland of the United Way of Whatcom County. Christy, thank you for joining us. Oh, I'm so excited. Thank you so much for the invite. 
it's very rare that we can talk about how uh, reading intersects with the country icon Dolly Parton, but we'll get to that here today with the discussion of the Imagination Library and that coming to Whatcom County. But Chris, Christy, first, would you just tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've lived in Whatcom County, and uh, what your position is there at the uh, United Way? Sure. So I'm Christy Berkland. I'm the CEO of United Way of Whatcom County. I have been in Bellingham since, like many people, since Western. I came up here to go to school and I'll give myself away, 1989. uh, And I have been here ever since. For folks who might not be familiar with uh, United Way, sort of tell us a little bit about that organization and the types of things you guys do here locally. Yeah, sure. So we are a nonprofit organization and we work with all kinds of businesses and organizations in Whatcom County specifically. United Way is our worldwide organization, but they're regionally based. And what that allows us to do is work in our specific areas to address the most pressing needs right here in our community. So what our focus right now is financial stability. And our goal is to make sure that every individual and family living in Whatcom County has the tools the access to the opportunities that they need to be financially stable and secure. So Christy, tell us a little bit then, and Nathan alluded to this in the introduction, maybe start by telling us a little bit about the Imagination Library and how United Way became a partner with Dolly Parton in this whole thing. Sure. And how does that relate to financial stability, right? Right. Well, I'll start there. There are a lot of reasons that people are financially insecure or financially unstable. And we know that one of them relates to early childhood education and getting a good start in life and doing well in school and being able to succeed in school and then have economic mobility in your career as you get older and earning potential. A lot of it also has to do with external factors, uh, demographics, race, et cetera. And what the Dolly Parton Imagination Library ties in with that because we're providing, again, access and opportunities, in this case for kids age birth to five, to improve their literacy skills. So Dolly's story is that her father never learned to read. And he was a sharecropper and she thought he was one of the smartest people she knew. And she wondered what his opportunity in life would have been had he had that skill, had he learned to read. And so she started this program just in her own little county, kind of like we work here in our own little county, um, for free books for kids, low barrier program. All you have to do is live in Whatcom County and be zero to age five and you qualify. So any kids from birth to age five qualify for the program. That's how she wanted it. She really wanted to expand a love of learning and books and uh, literacy to all the kids in her community and beyond. And now the program is worldwide and they just reached their 2 million child mark where they're sending books out to over 2 million kids worldwide every month. So if a child subscribes to the program, how does it work? Do these things show up in the mail? They do. Yeah. So when you sign up and you can sign up on our website, unitedwaywatcom.org, there's a page for Dolly Parton's Imagination Library. So there's an online sign up. We also have paper forms around in the community. We're partnering with a lot of different folks to get the word out. We're partnering with birthing centers. We're partnering with Peace Health. We're partnering with libraries. So all the places where um, kids can be found and you sign up for the program, just fill out a simple, really simple, basic form, uh, name, address, birth date, age of child. Uh, And then 
in eight to 10 weeks, which seems like kind of a long lag time, but we got to get you all registered and approved. And then we have to get that information to Dolly and then Dolly prints the books, sends the books, and they start arriving in your mailbox eight to 10 weeks later. And once you are on that list and you're getting the books, the kids get uh, one brand new book per month every year until they age out at um, when they turn five. And when they turn five, they get a little letter in that final book from Dolly saying, hey, thanks for being a reader and please continue with your love of reading as you enter kindergarten. And that book is all about, um, you know, going off to kindergarten. So it kind of gets kids prepped and school ready. Wow. That, what an incredible program. Incredible. It's- so exciting, you guys. I mean, we um, learned about the opportunity to become an affiliate. So there, the program needs an affiliate in every county in order to run. And there wasn't one in Whatcom. And we heard about this through the United Ways of the Pacific Northwest, which is a group we participate in. And there's a big push right now specifically because the pandemic has really hurt test scores. I'm sure you've read the articles and seen the numbers. They're really down. And a lot of that is math. A lot of that is literacy. And the Dolly Parton Imagination Library Program is seen right now as as a big part of pandemic literacy recovery. So there is a big push in Washington state to get all counties covered. And we jumped in and raised our hand and said, yes, we'll be the affiliate. We'll do it here for Whatcom County. We just started this program, brought it to Whatcom County on March 2nd. So it's only been going for about four months. We already have over 2,500 kids registered, which is far surpassing the projected um, enrollments as Dolly provides them when you sign up. So it tells me that our community is eager for this program, ready for this program, excited about this program. And so we are just super thrilled to be able to bring it. So Christy, is there a cap on the number of kids who can sign up for county or is it open and parents can still sign their kids up now? No, no, please sign kids up. There's no cap. Uh, really, it's just about eligibility. So if your child is under age five, they're eligible and they live in Whatcom County. And that is one thing I will say, the mailing address part. So we do get a lot of questions about what about kids who are experiencing homelessness? And we are working with partners and our organizations, a lot of whom we fund, who are dealing with homelessness in our com- community. So we are working with local shelters, et cetera, to make sure that books can be delivered there as well. We really want every child to be able to access this program, but especially children who don't normally have access to books. And so we're we're really working on partnering for outreach to outlying areas of the county. And again, those kids who may not have stable home addresses all the time. And we're really partnering with a lot of people to make sure that we can reach as many kids as possible. So no, no limit, please. We I think we have over 11,000, according to census data, of over 11,600 kids who should be eligible based on age. We want to sign all of them up. We're getting there one kid at a time. Is there availability for books in other languages? I know that we have a lot of uh, young kids in our local area for whom English is not their first language. Right. And this is a really great question. Um, And we get it a lot. So the answer is yes and no. So yes, there are two books at least per year in each age category. I should mention that all the books are age appropriate. So they're broken down by year, zero to one, one to two, et cetera, et cetera. So there are two books in each age category that are bilingual English and Spanish. And I think I think one of the, the neat aspects of this program is it not only encourages kids to read, but it also encourages parents to read to their kids. And we know, and I think studies have shown, you know, how important it is for that bonding time and for a mom or a dad to read to their children. And so 
I like to look at it from that angle because that's one of my most cherished memories of when my kids were were young was at bedtime being able to read a book to them. And so I like that angle as well. You are 100% correct. And there is a lot of research that shows that it's not just about the reading. It is also about that quality family activity, that togetherness time. Those things are also really important in child development and help give kids a good start. Is there anything else exciting that United Way is doing that our listeners who are parents might want to know about either coming up or other programs that you might be able to hook them into? Yeah, so we cover a wide breadth of programs in our community. And one of the reasons I love giving to United Way personally is because throughout the years, I have learned so much about the nonprofits in our community. We have a network that we fund of our local nonprofits We only fund nonprofits working in Whatcom County because that is our focus area. And all of them have something to do with helping individuals and families become financially secure. So, And we know that there are a lot of factors involved in becoming financially secure. So we fund programs in early education. We fund programs for childcare. We fund programs for housing, for uh, basic needs, food, et cetera. Um, From the arc to the why is kind of what we say uh, and everything in between. So I love United Way because I can give one time to United Way and that money piles in with everybody else who's giving and living United. And then it gets shot out into that nonprofit community in a big way. And I can give to 22 agencies at once. And I know they're all doing amazing work because they're vetted each year through our grant process. And um, it just really feels good to be able to know that you're helping so many different families, regardless of where they live and what their need is, how, what specific hand they need to lift them up. We're, we're helping, we're helping in those areas. So Christy, if someone wanted to live united and, and give the Whatcom County United Way, how would they do that? Oh, they would go to www.unitedwaywhatcom.org. And you can find Dolly there too. You can sign up a kid and give at the same time. Two for one. Well, we'll... You can actually give to support the program, uh, the Dolly Pardon program as well. You can give in so many ways. Well, we will put that link in our show notes for our listeners so they can go ahead and click on that. Uh, Christy, this has been really great. This is awesome information for our listeners. Let's get out there and register those 9,000 or so other birth to five-year-olds so they can take advantage of this, this great free program. Yeah. I'll just say one more thing too. If you work at a business in town who does United Way, consider uh, taking part in those activities and giving through work. It's it's a really fun way to bond with your coworkers and do some good all together all at the same time. All right. Thank you so much, Christy. Thank Thanks, you. Christy. It's been a pleasure. The Interfaith Coalition of Whatcom County has a 40-year history of connecting people of diverse faiths to come together, serving our neighbors in need. On September 18th at Twin Sisters Brewery, Interfaith Coalition will hold their annual Hope Auction. Ticket information is available at the Interfaith website, interfaith-coalition.org. Please consider joining Interfaith on September 18th to raise the funds necessary to help provide housing and other necessary services to those marginalized here in Whatcom County. Well, guys, this is our first episode since school let out. Uh, Chris, your kids are out of school. Out of school. My kids are out of school. And And Mr. Bagley, my kids, 
brag a little bit. My youngest is literally forever out of school as he graduated from college three weeks ago. Way to go, Woo-hoo! Ben. Nicely Bagley. done, Ben. Yeah, super exciting. We had a, he flew it, flew back from Amarillo for the uh, festivities, got to walk across the stage. As a perk of being an employee at Western, I was able to hand him his diploma, Oh, that's which nice. was pretty darn special. And then he spent uh, three or four days here, and now he's back in the heat of Amarillo working for the sod poodles. Amazing. So summer is here, and I thought we could talk about a couple of things, one of which, Chris, I asked you to ask your wife, who is a school teacher here in Bellingham School District, what recommendations she might have for parents as to what they can do with their kids throughout the summer so that they don't fall behind. Yeah. She recommended three things. First, because of COVID, she found that a lot of kids are behind on sort of just kind of like basic skills, personal skills. She said as a third grade teacher, she tied more shoes this year than she's ever had to tie before. Third graders who don't know how to tie shoes. Interesting. Is that because they weren't wearing shoes during COVID? Like walking around the house in socks or flip-flops? I'm not not sure what that is. If it was Hmm. just, you know, it wasn't a priority. Parents were busy with other things going on because of COVID. Kids aren't used to just being self-sufficient or self-starters. Yeah. So she says, she said, first thing, teach your kids to tie their shoes. (laughs) She's So funny enough, that was one. The second one was read, read. Read, read, read. Read as much as you can or encourage them to read, whatever age that is. Read out loud with them. Have some quiet time where the whole family does some reading together. But um, every teacher, of course, will tell any family reading is key. And then the third one was really just basic math skills. So it doesn't have to go, you don't have to put together huge workbooks or anything else. But if you've got a third grader, Start on some times tables, just some basic things like that. You know, younger, do some basic addition stuff, but just sort of those basic kind of math skills that keep them fresh so when they do get in the classroom, they're ready to go. I've had a little fun this spring with my kindergartner who has taken interest in baseball. And so just talking a lot about like the Mariners have these many runs, the other team has these many, how many more is that than that? And they, how many more outs do they need? And just sort of, you know, asking him things that require him to sort of in his head do a little math. Yeah, and, that's and a great just, idea. I don't think he knows that I'm testing his math. He thinks <laughs> we're just talking baseball. That's a great way to do it. Well, our, our interview and your wife's uh, advice for parents sort of leads to our small parent topic tonight, which is something I did exactly one hour ago, reading to your kids. I mean, we don't need to spend a ton of time convincing you listeners that it's a good thing to do. But I just wanted us to reflect a little bit on how each of us have handled that in the house with multiple kids, if you had a specific routine, if you had a specific way you did it, um, and then maybe what you learned from going through that process. So we'll start with the one who has all those kids moved out of the house. And sort of what are your memories of reading to your kids and what did you find worked well and how did you balance between having the two kids who may or may not have wanted to listen to the same things? Well, so it was was a bedtime ritual. It just happened every single night. And um, I think if I'm trying to remember, you know, back that far, they went to bed at different times, and so either Annette would do Ben and I would do Allie. So we'd alternate back and forth. But I remember, though, when the kids, when Allie got older, 
we got into the Harry Potter books. I mean, she was growing up as the Harry Potter books came out. And oh, we would, yeah. We'd go get in line and buy the books. And so that was something we did every night. I think Ben and I got through probably three or four of them, but Allie and I did all seven of them. But it was just a ritual. And, and as we've talked about on this on this podcast, you know, kids love routine. And when that's part of it, you have your dinner, you have a snack, put on your jammies, brush your teeth, and you hop in bed and you read for 20 or 30 minutes. And I think, you know, looking back, the one of the best memories is that when your kids would say, no, 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 one more page. Yes, or <laughs> one little, more chapter. Read a little bit more. And, you know, yeah. in the heat of the moment, you're like, no, you got to go to bed. Yeah. If I could do it all over again, I would say, yeah, how many more chapters do you want to read? Yeah. Let's just keep going. So... Right, There's, you don't want to be limiting their reading. Right, I think we've talked about you know if if we go in their room and they're supposed to be going to sleep, but they're reading or have a flashlight in there, you might just let that slide as yeah. opposed to if they were doing something else less productive. Yeah, there's nothing True. wrong with reading. True. Yeah, for us, um, we did a really good job of reading to the kids when they were little every night as part of our routine: bath, etc., read, bed. Um, but as they've gotten older, right, you know, they, now they're going to bed after Amy and I, right? And so, and Lexi's always been a voracious reader. Lexi, I mean, it's funny now that we, sh- we, we share the same Amazon account. I'm looking at this book she's searching for, and she's looking for these smutty summer reads now, right? You know, and we're just like, well, okay. Summer you know? at the lake. Summer, <laughs> summer at the lake seven. Um, so, uh, Alyssa is a lot like me in that she does, she doesn't mind reading, but she doesn't love it. She's not a voracious reader. And as a kid, I hated reading. I would rather play outside and do a million other things yeah. than read. And um, so that's one of our challenges is now that they're older and we don't have it built in as a routine of any sort um, to in- to continue to encourage that in some way. So Amy piles through books. Lexi pounds through books. And Alyssa and I are very similar in that we just, you know, we just don't do a ton of reading. And that's kind of, Annette and Allie are the readers, and they'll share books and recommendations, and Ben and I, we just... You read different things. We don't do it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Yeah, with three, it's a little challenging, because you want to give that one-on-one time, and we're outnumbered. Mm -hmm. And so, usually, it takes the form of one of us reading to all three and they each get to pick a chapter or a small book and the oh, other yeah. two get to sit by and listen. But I'm starting to feel like our days doing that are a little bit numbered because the eight soon to be nine year old isn't super enamored with the same things that the four year old is yeah. wanting. Right. And frankly, she's been through those books. The four year old has yeah. not only for herself, but for her six year old brother. So, um, but uh, we're reading the little house on the prairie series right now. It's a little outdated. I'm doing a little editing on the fly on some of the <laughs> some of the words and some of the concepts, but uh, no, that's been a great one, and it's just great to have your kid get so excited to read and to ask you, when can we read? Did you guys have any particular author or authors that you really gravitated toward when you were kids? When I was a kid? Yeah. Boy, I, I remember reading The Hardy Boys. Oh, yeah. Yes, me too. I, I that was old. actually on my list here. Yeah, that's, I remember going to the library and checking those out and trying to get through all whatever, 50 titles or whatever it was. Um, I, I liked like George Orwell, some okay. of the the sci-fi stuff. Yeah. I remember that. But, you know, just I, I wasn't a voracious reader like, you know, it sounds like um, your Lexi and my Lexi, Lexi my yeah, Allie. Yeah, right. Were, but, uh, you know, I, 
every summer, you know, we had we had a, a bookmobile in our town, and I remember my dad taking me to the bookmobile. Got to, I got to check out Jaws and read the book Jaws. Ooh. Oh, that's cool. Terrifying. I mean, I thought the movie was even more terrifying. But, yeah, Hardy, Hardy Boys is kind of my go-to. Yep, I think that I got through most of those. And my follow-up was going to be, uh, did you introduce your children to that same series, or has life changed enough that they weren't going to be interested in a couple of boys out solving mysteries in their yeah. hometown? I think we had a book or two, and I may have read one to Allie, but it just... It didn't translate yeah. very well. Times have changed. Yeah. And unlike you two, I didn't like mysteries. And I didn't mm. like sci-fi. Um, so I read, like, I, I would read, like, the encyclopedia. <laughs> I would read, I loved, um, <laughs> even when I was older, I loved reading Ranger Rick. Oh, yeah. Sports Illustrated. Yeah. The Choose Your Adventures were my jam. Oh, yeah. I don't know those. You don't know Choose Your Adventure books? Uh-uh. Oh man, so you read like four or five or six pages and then there'll be like a fork and it'll be like, does your character want to drink the potion oh. or keep going? And if you drink the potion, you go to page 52. And if you keep going, you go to page 86. Oh, I've never heard of it. And so it's this whole like decision tree style of book where you can, you know, let's say in a children's book there's 20 different decisions you can make and you can end up in like four different endings oh my gosh and so those were available did you have book fairs at your school Mm -hmm. scholastic or whatever so that was my thing so as many of those as i could get and then i would keep trying to read all the different permeations to Mm -hmm. figure out all the different ways and we do have a couple of those for the kids and they do like those that'd be fun Um, i have two children who pick all of the wise choices (laughs) <laughs> and I have one child who purposefully picks the bad choice at yeah. every turn, and it drives the other two kids nuts. <laughs> but we do end up seeing the different outcomes there. So, yeah, those were my jam. I'll be darned. Hmm. Um, so let's just spend a little time on what we really think the benefits of reading to your kids are. I know that our guests spoke about it a little earlier. Um, I mean, the first thing that jumps out to me is if you are reading to your kid a lot when they're younger, they're more likely to become someone who loves reading as an adult. I think that goes without saying. And I think that would seem to be a positive thing for, for our kids to really, A, be proficient, hopefully quick at reading, because that can come in handy in their probably most vocations. Mm-hmm. But then just, that's a, a, I think, a good, safe, sound hobby that Certainly. we want them to have. Boost your vocabulary, makes you a better speaker. Yes. Yeah. One of the stats I saw, I'll put a link to a couple articles, it said that if parents who read to their kids ages 0 to 5, and we now know what can kids 0 to 5 can get free books from Dolly Parton, but if you a parent who reads to their kids ages 0 to 5 exposes them to 1.4 million more words than a parent who doesn't read to their kid. Jeez. Just wow. think about that. Just the simple act of reading to young kids. Wow, that's incredible. Um, I don't know that it means 1.4 million different words, but yeah. just they're hearing that yeah. many more words. Well, and you got to think about the creativity. It sparks how it, it's got to open pathways in the brain, right? Mm-hmm. From whether or not you're reading Dr. Seuss and all the rhyming to something that's, I don't know, sci-fi or mysteries. You know? I remember, apparently Dr. Seuss is way overrated. Well, it is. <laughs> Except it's a little... One bitter fish, about that. Two but, fish, red fish, blue fish. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one thing my wife does much better than I do is actually when there are pictures in the book, pausing and asking like, well, what do you see in this picture? Hmm. And what does it look like that this character's feeling in this picture? And that, that kind of like 
critical thinking can be developed too. That's why the girl. That's why the kids like her to read instead of Nathan because Nathan's too tired. He just skips right through the yeah, and they yeah, stop pictures. And, yeah, yeah. I, I th- this <laughs> this is indirectly tied to the reading thing, but I think one of the best things that I got out of it was just that time at the end of the day with one of your children in their bed where they're really comfortable and they're settling down. And when the story was done or the reading was done, the conversations that would start, probably because they didn't want to go to sleep yet. Uh-huh. Right. right. But you could learn about their day, yeah. learn about their feelings, kind of what was on their mind. And to me, that was the outcome of reading because you spent that time and then they didn't want you to leave. Yeah. And that's pretty special. And yeah. I mean, Annette was way more patient than she would spend another 45 minutes talking to the kids. Yeah. But I think that's that's a great aspect to not forget that you have those conversations. That bonding. Yeah. So at what age did it end? That's the thing I'm scared of. It ends when you stop reading to your kids, when they get, you know, these preteen or teen, and it's like they have homework and they want to get on their device and talk to their friends. And it's like, hey, good night, mom and dad. And they close the door and then you're out. And it's sad for uh, the parents. Yeah, I really appreciate that perspective, Mark, because I sometimes I'll just say good night to the kids. Mm-hmm. They're, they're off to go do their thing before bed. Right. But I know that there are so many times, and we're, I'm, we're so very fortunate that Lexi still talks to us, mm-hmm. right? And she enjoys being around us. And the times that I have just hopped onto her bed and laid there next to her and just chatted, mm-hmm. I, I forget to do that enough. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciate you reminding me to do more of that because, geez, I only got two years left or whatever. Yeah, and then, so. it's, then you're probably not going to do it again. Yeah. And it's yeah. kind of sad. I mean, it's great because you've, you've, your kids are good and they're you ready set her up for success yeah they're gonna be yeah. they're gonna be fine they're gonna be fine right but you know i have the the advantage of you know the perspective of looking back yeah about how you know and i said a little bit earlier if i could have spent another half hour talking to ben when he was six to tell me about his t-ball game or whatever yeah i, I would do that on a heartbeat yeah, yeah it's true that's easy to say now yeah. Sure. Meanwhile, Nathan's going, geez, man. Like, <laughs> I've been at work all day. I, yeah. I just wanted to go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> there are days like that. I there are days like that. that. Yeah. I think the, the other thing that reading and storytelling does with kids is it puts them in other people's shoes. They can imagine themselves with these characters. And I think it helps build empathy and sort of that emotional intelligence, right? Because they're seeing people struggle. They're seeing people deal with loss and sort of you know, maybe their lives are too cookie cutter right now, but just getting that empathy and understanding the challenges that others might deal with. And especially some of the historical, we've found some of these historical books about historical characters and learning about them and the stuff that stuff that they went through. The moral of the story for this episode, reading is good. (laughs) Read to your kids. If they're under five, you have access to free books now. Do either of you know what the Mandela effect is? I feel like I should know. Yeah, it sounds familiar, but I could not tell you, no. I might be getting this wrong, but it's this sort of theory that um, you really think something happened or you're really sure about something's the way it is, but you're 
for some reason you're you misremember what's gone on. Mm. So I think what happened was a lot of people thought that Mandela died much earlier than he did. And then when he did, in fact, die, people up here like, wait, I thought he had died like 10 years ago. So I think we've all had those things where like, oh, I thought that, sure. I remember that differently. Yeah. So I have here some pop culture references, and we're going to see how good your memories are. So you to kind of picture these things in your head um, and let me know which one is true. So first, uh, in the Disney movie, is the saying magic mirror on the wall or mirror mirror on the wall? Well, I remember it as mirror mirror on the wall. That's what I remember it as, too. So I'm going to go with that, but it probably isn't It's right. probably magic, yeah. I know. I remember mirror mirror on the wall. Mandela effect wins. You both misremember. <laughs> it is, in fact, magic mirror on the wall. I bet if you asked... That was a terrible ten, Disney movie. You asked anyway. 10 people, nine of them would say mirror, mirror on the wall. I agree, yeah. I, I, that's the yeah. part of this whole concept here. Okay. Looney Tunes. Is Tunes spelled T-O-O-N-S or T-U-N-E-S? Looney Tunes. I think it's O-O. I think it's O-O. You're both wrong again. Mandela <laughs> wins. I own... DVDs galore of Looney Tunes. I'm going to pay attention now. My goodness. Along the same lines. Fruit Loops is fruit spelled F-R-O-O-T or (laughs) F-R-U-I-T. I'm saying U-I-T. I'll say O-O because they are two round cereals. O-O-T. Chris scores the first point of the game. (laughs) Here we go. Flintstones. One T or two? Is it Flynn Stones or Flint Stones? Yabba? Yabba? I think it's T. Yeah, T. All right, you both got that one right. All right. The only, yeah, never do. the only reason you know that one is because of the reference to the rocks. It had to be oh, Flint. 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 Yeah, it makes Stones. sense. Bedrock and Barney Rubble. Okay, Fred. Isn't that a great name, Barney Rubble? Mm-hmm. Uh, Amy laughs like Betty Rubble. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh. When you get her kind of cackling. Sounds <laughs> just like Betty Rubble. Check that out. Later. Oh, yeah. Uh, Curious George, did he have a tail or not? No tail. No tail. No tail is correct. You That's guys right. paid attention to yeah. that one. How about the Monopoly Man? Monocle or no monocle? Monocle. I don't think he had a monocle. Mark is correct. Oh! I think the Mr. Peanut throws people off on that oh, one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Double Stuff Oreos. S-T-U-F-F. <laughs> S-T-U-F. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. I have no idea. I'm going to say 1-F. I'll say 2. 1-F. Double Mark. Stuff. That's Double Stoof. Mark pulls But ahead. Double, you should have two Fs if it's Double. That's right. Right? Forrest Gump. Life is like a box of chocolates. <laughs> Or life was like a box of chocolates. Is. Well, but we're going to think it's going to be wrong. It's going to be was, right? So you should say was. I'll say say was. It was. (laughs) Dang you, Tom Hanks. Life was like a box of chocolates. Mama always said. And we'll end with a similar one. I'll just ask you this question. What's the song Mr. Rogers would sing? It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Won't you be my neighbor? Yeah. Would you agree with what Chris said? 
It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Uh, yeah. It is. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. Oh. <laughs> really? Really. Oh, Mandela wins. Oh, yeah. I guess it is. Listeners, you can Google these things. They blow your mind. I would have got eight out of ten of those wrong if you'd asked me. But Yeah, those are tough. Mark prevails by one point. Wow. Well done, Mark Bagley. Oh, yeah. to Christy Berkland, who joined us this week. As always, thanks to our sponsor, Robinson and Cole Attorneys. Feel free to contact the show by email at welcomedadspodcast.gmail.com with any suggestions or comments. Episodes will continue on a monthly basis, so make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. See you next month! Why do dads take an extra pair of socks when they go golfing? Why? In case they get a hole in one. How does a penguin build its house? How? It glues it together. What is brown and sticky? What?